You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle, attorney and betrayal recovery coach who believes that betrayal uncovers the truth of what's possible once we stop focusing on the other person, on what was done to us, and we start showing up unapologetically for who we are. I'd love to connect. I'd love to see how I can best support you in your betrayal recovery journey so you can find the confidence and the courage to look within, understand what really happened and heal faster. Skipping the mistakes, pain, and obsessive thoughts that plagued me during my betrayal recovery journey. Today is the third of a three-part series of interviews that I am doing with my husband, Sean, the man who betrayed me. If you haven't already gone back and caught those episodes, I highly recommend you do because it will really shed light on what was going on in the mind and the heart of the person who betrayed you. The first episode, we went all the way back and we talked about what was going on in Sean's mind before the affairs took place, what led him to start cheating in the first place. The second episode was about what was going on during the affairs. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what he has learned after, what his healing journey has been like, redemption, working with me, facing what he did. And we're going to start with a very important discussion of What kind of a person are you? Because the last interview, we left off where Sean was saying that he thought he was a really good person. And I was saying I thought he was a really good person. So we're going to pick up from the end of that interview and start talking about what kind of a person he is and was. There are three things, um, three things I just want to tag First, you said something about what kind of a person you are. And I want to go there for a while because so many people will say to me, I don't know who he is. I don't know what's real. I don't know who he is anymore. And that was something that I thought, too. I thought, you must be a manipulative, psychotic. The word narcissist gets gets thrown around a lot. And yes, while there are clinical narcissists and there are people who have narcissistic tendencies, there's also a people who a lot of people who are just damaged and wounded. What kind of a person are you? Because I always saw you as very ethical, very high standards, very one of your phrases was always do a better job, do the right thing. So I thought you were a good person. How do you see yourself and how did you reconcile the good person with the person who did this? This came up in counseling for me and did a lot of work around. A lot of emotions around this because 
you know, that's when you're, you're really facing the fire, right? It's inside. I always tried to do the right thing and never, ever tried to be somebody who got in trouble. I'm scared to death of my mother. So, you know, never got in trouble with the police. Cause I thought you, you're in big time trouble with your own mother. If, uh, if she finds out, so didn't cross the lines, right? It was a, wasn't the bad guy. Growing up and into my twenties um, and, and and beyond, it, it I thought I had this this center, this core, right, that was strong and and sacred and good, and and then I started ignoring it because. I didn't know how to express how I was feeling injured. And when my core was feeling injured, call it your heart, you know, or whatever it is that I'm, I, where my feelings of, 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 of feeling disrespected, of feeling like my feelings were hurt. It's a phrase I've never said in my life, by the way, that you hurt my feelings. And many guys ought to learn how to say that, right? And I've noticed men who do say it communicate so much better with their partners or their family. But it's when my core started getting hurt, I started masking that. And that means I've stopped paying attention to my sort of good center, my good centeredness and started acting out in ways that is just not my personality and persona. And yet I did it. And now I've got to stand in it and face it. That's huge. And that's really well said because it is that masking and getting hurt. And just recently, we had a situation with a family member, and I'm not going to say who it is, but a family member who is a big, strong male, and he got his feelings hurt. And the response from the female who hurt his feelings was almost like shock that this big, strong, manly man could be hurt. And it brought up in me that same belief that, what do you mean you can be hurt? You're this big, strong, manly man. What? Men get hurt? And although I know everybody gets hurt, men gets hurt, it really made me realize how, I don't know if it's culture, society, what, how we do have that thing that, well, this person looks big and strong and unhurtable. This person looks like they have it all together. They can't be hurt. And it was just a profound experience. It really caused me to self-reflect. Well, I think we all should, you know, as a society, understand that humans, uh, we all have feelings. We all tick in a very similar fashion and can be hurt. And, you know, it's funny. We, we want to fight for different segments of society. And I certainly get that where you can clearly tell people have vulnerabilities, but the big, strong dude, you know, <laughs> um, don't really have to fight for them because they're big enough to fight for themselves. Right. But some of us don't have the skills, you know, I, I love, I adore on Instagram or elsewhere, seeing a, a big, strong dude express his feelings. Watch the rock. You know, he's, he's really good with his dialogue. Love to have his skills, um, 
don't think I'm there, but that's, you know, something that I think we all need to be mindful of is that we can step away from our core. And I think most of us have a good center core. Mm-hmm. And if we step away from it, why? Why is that happening? Mm-hmm. Um, do we ever recognize it? Because often we don't. And next thing you know, you're at the bar, you're in an affair, you're doing something you shouldn't. So how does it look to return to your core? Talk. I mean, there's such guilt, such shame, such regret. And that overwhelming crash of, I have to deal with this now, not only for me, but for my family, for my kids, for my, there's got to be this urge to escape and to say, I'm not going to deal with all of that. So how do you return to your center then? Because, I mean, that's overwhelming. And I know just personally when I've made mistakes, sometimes I don't even want to admit to it. I don't want to own up to it because it's such a big mess up and I'm afraid that the person won't give me grace. I'm afraid, you know, for, for lack of a better word, that I'll be canceled. All of, I'm afraid that this is too big for me, that I've messed up too much. And even though sometimes in my heart and my soul, I want to return, and I usually do, <laughs> I usually to really try to, there's also that just desire to up and leave. How, how did you manage that? How did you navigate returning to your center, knowing that you're going to face the music in some really painful ways? Well, believe me, there's, there's a huge fear to do the hard work and return to your center. There's a huge drive to say, screw this, I'm out of here. I want to write that book, right? Screw this, I'm out of here. And I'm being nice when I say that. But on the other hand, I know I have the ability. I have the ability to own it, really explore, investigate myself, us, our marriage, all that happened, uh, talk about it as much as I can, journal it, etc. But also very thankful that we had resources, right? I can pay for a lot of counseling and such. Now, if you can't, I still think there's resources for everybody um, at any level to, to get some help and, and help get back to your core. But at first, it takes a commitment. And you said to me early on after disclosure that you wanted me to fight for our marriage. And I just had a reading, this incredible experiential reading, that they gave me a card and it showed a knight on a horse, heading into battle. And that's what I've always been. I've always been a warrior. I was not the warrior that my core says I am in our marriage. And that's what I wanted. If I want the marriage I always want, then I got to fight for it. Right. And that's, that was a light switch moment for me when you asked me for that, because I realized I'm not doing the work I need to do to stay in my core, get back to center and now stay there. Right? But also deal with the shame, deal with the guilt, deal with my emotions, deal with the lack of dialogue to express myself um, and what I'm feeling in the moment instead of triggering and, and having anger. 
So that, that raises a lot because it's it, a lot of works come out of this that are things I didn't even know was going on in me. Yeah. And that is such an important point because the frustration from the betrayed partner in what were you thinking? What was going on? Why did this happen? And you're saying, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm saying that with kind of in a cheeky way because that's how I hear it from women. I'm asking him what's going on and they don't know. I'm asking him why he did it and he doesn't know. You're only really starting to know in doing the work. And you've developed the understanding that you didn't have then. That's frustrating. Well, it's, it's really frustrating when you can't just go do your own mind space and figure it out because it's not, it's not a solo effort, frankly. You know, it takes, it takes, um, call it a men's group, call it a betrayed, um, betrayal group, whatever. Right. You see a lot of groups for betrayed partners like, like your group, but (laughs) where's the, where's the support for the betrayal and who really cares about them is sort of the, the notion that, Get, right right unless they're doing it themselves they're not getting the support right so but i think the support's out there and there's plenty of it you just got to realize what's missing my counselor told me recently she said during that whole process that i was a disintegrated sean i'm back to being an integrated sean and what she means by that, and I think what we all need to experience, especially as betrayers, is that we do have breakdowns and there are flaws and there are reasons why we have gone to porn, the bar, the affair. And if we don't explore those reasons, we're going to stay disintegrated. To be integrated means you have this awareness, right? Of you're at your core. You are centered. And if you're Doing the practice, using some tools to help you do that, you can stay there. Now you're gonna you're gonna bounce away a little bit. You're gonna have anger. You're gonna have still have emotions, right? But you got to know how to come back into center. If you're not practicing how to come back, then you're gonna have trouble. Yeah. Right. So, and that's where I'm. You know, it's five years after, and that's hard because part of that's just life and, and being human. I like the way that you have phrased that because people talk to me and they ask me, are you happy? Are you really happy? What's your marriage like? Blah, blah, blah. And what I try to be honest and say is, and I want you to echo how you feel about this. I feel like for the first time we have a level of intimacy that's really, really deep because I Now, know the worst in you. I see the pain that I never saw before. I see, you know, how you didn't love yourself before. I saw, like, I see the the most vulnerable, tender parts of you that were masked. So, wow, I see you so fully for who you are now. And I love you even more so because of it. And it'll make me cry, but because of your bravery to do that, your bravery to stand in it, and your bravery to practice these tools. And I feel like our marriage is better than it's ever been. And yet still, we will have some doozies of misunderstandings. 
and you will try something and fail horribly, or you will completely not try something and resort to old behavior, and I'm instantly triggered and scared and fearful, and we will still have some really bad moments. But we don't stay in those bad moments, and we come out of them quicker and with more awareness and understanding because now we can say, wow, look where I triggered. Wow, look where you, wow. And because of that, we're growing faster and the foundation that we're building is stronger. And I would love your interpretation of how growth looks and how the marriage is. Well, I fully agree. It is the marriage that I've always wanted. It's an integrated marriage. It's connected. We're in alignment more often than we've ever been. And I say that because, yes, there's days when, you know, we have a down day, it's a stressful day, it's a busy day or whatever. And so we don't seem to have that connection. If you stay in alignment with each other and are always sort of present and aware, to me, it's easier to ebb and flow around our problems in life, right? So we navigate our negative in our life so much smoother than we ever have. I agree. Right. So, and obviously the attraction has always been there. Our, our love for each other is super strong. And, and you're right. There's still times when you might think something is old behavior. I think everyone needs to understand, though, if you're going to be successful after betrayal and disclosure, everybody has to know it's over. Especially the betrayer. I will not deviate from my center core, right? I will stand in my goodness forevermore because I know how to come back to my core after pain or injury or whatever. And I know how to deal with that and manage it better in the moment. And in the moment, it's relative. Is it 24 hours? Is it, you know, the next day? Is it within a week? Whatever that looks like, right, for every person, you've got to stay centered. Don't deviate. Don't do those old behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think anybody that's uh, recovering from addiction or, you know, the escapism, because you finally start dealing with your problems and you deal with your emotions and you deal with your traumas and you deal with your relationship in a practicing way where you're practicing good tools, right? Good, good experiential communication physical connections that we do, meditation, whatever it is, right? Whatever your practice set of tools are, if you're using them, I think it's so much easier to keep your joy and understand that you bring about your own joy. Mm -hmm. And that leads to easier conversations, smoother navigation of negative events. Yeah. And I really appreciate that you talk about coming home to your center. Because in the coaching that I do with women, I'm always talking about coming home to yourself. I want you to come home to yourself. And the thing that comes up is people say, but I don't know who I am. Well, if you don't know who you are, you can't come home to yourself. And that goes to that disintegrated versus the integrated. It You have to do you. I have to do me. And only then can we come together. And that's what made our relationship before, I don't want to say not a good relationship, we had a lot of really good times, 
But that's why it's deeper now, because you are more you than you have ever been. And you know who you are. And I am more me than I've ever been. And I know who I am. So now we can come together. So afterwards, we were talking about this enormous amount of, you know, like guilt and shame and how you just decided you needed for, to use my terms, to come home to you to figure it out. What about how do you manage talking to other people who might not understand? How do you manage me being public with this? Everybody knows you're the guy. You're the one who did it. Talk about your core and how you hold strong and yet also express your fear and your shame and the uncomfortable nature of that. And the reason I'm asking that is because so many people that I work with will say, we have to move. The neighbors know. I can't tell my family. My family knows. Your family knows. Everybody knows it's you. How do you hold that? Well, that was initially very difficult. Mm -hmm. And yet... Didn't so. One of the great phrases given to me during this process was, "Who is in the privilege to know about your affair?" Well, apparently the whole public or your listeners will know about us, right? Right. Um, and this is discoverable, so the whole public can know. And I was ready for that. I knew that, right? But that's a very different space than most people are going to enter into. Nor do they need to. Right. But if you want to sort of confide in each other, who has a privilege to know? Does your boss need to know? Does the next door neighbor need to know, to your point? Does the you know, scout master need to know? Does who needs to know, right? I thought that in telling our family, it was really important that we start there. And there was a few colleagues at work that absolutely needed to. And then I felt like just my whole integrity and center core is going to be called into question if I don't tell certain people at work that not in my management chain or anything, but I was a mentor and their mentee and they're really important in my life. And if they found out in a public way and I'm the guy that's been teaching them how to do the job, right, uh, or navigate life. I'm not the guy. So I did full disclosure with each of them mm-hmm. and felt like that was a difficult conversation, but oh, they yeah. all responded and understood that I was going through something that they just cheered me on. Yeah. So be careful that, yes, we both had friends that wanted nothing to do with us or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or won't talk to me. And, how sad for them because they don't get to see the integrated Sean again, the transformed Sean, but and that's fine. Yeah, I can't use their yeah. path. Yeah, it's their path. And so for me, really, you have to, I think, as a betrayer, if it's going to feel like more shame, compounding shame, then you've got to do a lot of private work to understand why that is affecting you that way. I had to do what was called a shame album. Didn't have to, but it was an assignment a counselor gave me, and it was magnificent for me to see 
um, how often I've experienced shame in my life. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't think it was shame. I didn't know what it was, right? And then we had a long, lot of good discussion around each story that I told in this album. And call it a journal, call it an album. And, you know, pages and pages later, I realized that, you know what? If I faced all that, I can stand in this disclosure and tell this story about us. And it's because of the transformation that takes place after it. You know, there's, what are you going to get? What are you going to get? I'm going to get integrated Sean back. I'm going to get my integrity back. I'm going to get my truth back. And you had, we had said this to each other before, and I want to say it here. It's not about, I'm doing it because I want to save our marriage. I'm doing it because that's what an integrous human being does. And if my marriage gets saved in the process, all the better. But I'm also doing it because my kids are seeing this. Like you were saying, my mentees are seeing Because a person with integrity does this sort of a thing. Right. And for some people, it might be religion. You might go to your clergy. There is a, a clergy privilege. Right. right. If, if that would be helpful um, and you're of that set, then I highly recommend, you know, making sure you know how to disclose it and deal with sort of telling that story to somebody else, right? Right. Who's, who's outside the marriage. Right. And you say, tell the story. And in my work, I often tell my people, this is a chapter in your story. We need to close the chapter. We need to make sense of that chapter. You control the narrative of your chapter. Write it. Close it. Now let's focus on this next chapter. And together, as a coach, I will hold the vision for you in writing that next chapter. I will help you write that chapter. I will help you hold the vision and we, I will help you get there. And I do that for the person who is betrayed. But the betrayer also needs to wrap up that chapter. The betrayer also needs to make sense of that and then to write the next chapter for his life or her. How was it for you closing out that chapter? Was there... Was there any sadness in that? Because, you know, you talk about all these affair partners and you wanted the affairs to be done and you were couldn't, as you said in the last show, you couldn't close, you couldn't cut it off. You were afraid of what that would look like. You were afraid that they would tell, things would be found out. You were afraid, so you kept it going for longer than you wanted to. But what was your experience in really finishing that chapter was there what, what was your experience well it was relief at first but also oddly i was really happy that it was over because i didn't like the whole experience and it's a long damn time I mean, the cluster of other people right toward the end of that 15 years, but but it was something that when it was finally over, the relief and the weight lifting off of me, but knowing that if this is going to work between us, I've got a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. right? And I knew that. And there was clearly guideposts. guideposts in my life that there was clearly guideposts in my life that 
sort of indicated I ought to go do something about my childhood. I ought to go do something about triggers. I ought to go do something about expressing my emotions, right? That's other than yelling, screaming, whatever, and or walking away. And knowing that finally there's this catalyst for me, I mean, it was like checking in to, to the center to finally get treatment, right? It was, it was like I finally got brave to go to the doctor, so to speak, right, and have something looked at. And here it's my mind and my heart and my emotions, you know, that had a lifetime of, of challenges that, you know, culminated in some really bad uh, decision-making and, and actions. So relief is, is what I felt and a little, a little excited about what the future could hold if I could transform. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're not alone too, because again, so many of the people that I work with will say, well, I guess now's the time that I can finally deal with and you name whatever it is, you know, the loss of a child, the abuse that I suffered, the sexual trauma, the, I hear that every single time on both sides. Now is the time that I can finally deal with it. And it is a catalyst. It's a catalyst for both people. It's an invitation for both people. If you choose to accept it. There's a lot that can be done. Once that catalyst begins that, For me, the ACE test, the adverse childhood experience, my score is ridiculous. But what is perplexing to me is that any human, and when you all, if you just, it's only 10 questions, right? If you just look it up and you look at each question and you think, my God, my God, my God, anybody that had to experience that, right? And much, much less experience almost all of them or all of them. And... What are you going to do about it now? Yeah. Right? I'm not just going to put it behind me and walk away anymore. Right? Because mask it. I, yeah, and mask it. I've got to I've got to dig in and see how it's impacting who I am, how I react, what triggers I have, what fears I have, what shame I have, guilt I have or whatever. And how is that changing my behavior in my everyday activity? And better or worse for those changes. Cause I think the work I've done in exploring any level of trauma or any level of shame gives me so much more understanding and calmness when new things come up in life. Right. So now I feel like I'm a whole different being when I have to navigate a negative mm-hmm. and yet I still have Moments. Right. Five years later, right? Because it's a work in progress, and I think it's going to be, you know, something that's sort of always there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get rid of trauma. No. You can heal from it, but you don't get rid of it. So you're going to have that trauma scar. How do you, how do you navigate thereafter? Right. And something that comes up, too, as the one who betrayed, and this goes into the, the love and infatuation. So in a way, we're looping back here, but we'll, we'll need to loop back to go forward. As someone who loves me, who loves our life, who loves our family, who 
has been grateful for my willingness to give you grace, to give you compassion, to work with you through this, to be, there's that deep level of love. How do you deal with, or do you have the moments where you kind of look at me and you kind of look at your life and you kind of think back and you have a hopeless feeling? Like, how could I have done that? Do you have some of those feelings and how do you manage those emotions? Because I know that that's something that comes up for a lot of people. Sometimes they'll say, I don't want to stay because I don't want to see, I don't want to see you anymore. I don't want to see the person that I betrayed anymore because it reminds me of when I had fallen. Ironically, the first two years of this last five years after disclosure, I had that a lot. And it was two years running, right? Started to subside because I realized that we were in a much better place and we could have difficult conversations, et cetera, without feeling like I didn't I shouldn't be here. But there was many times when I asked myself why you, Laura, are still married to me. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, what the heck? What were you thinking? Why are you still here? And I think what where I drew strength is getting back to my center, understanding the super strong core, and it felt really good to be back into my goodness. Then I knew that I'm going to stay and I'm going to face you. I'm going to own that I did this and I'm going to talk about it and I learn from it a little bit every time, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like the whole notion of, you know, I need to get away or you should go is gone mm-hmm. because it feels more normal in, in our marriage now to really be you're rebuilding trust. I'm being validated. I am expressing, you know, my hurt feelings or, or what have you. And in dealing with stuff more contemporaneously, instead of walking away and two weeks later, I come back and, you know, I'm still mad or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I go act out and because I know it was over and that was a relief. And I had a lot of fear that we weren't going to make it. And why are you still here? And then all of a sudden, you know, you start realizing we can do this. And sometimes you need to do some work too. Sometimes I need to go, or we need to go back and see a joint person or whatever it is, right? We added some other element and it's all aha moments for me. Every time you meet somebody new that can change your life, it's unbelievable. Right. Right. As long as you're doing the work and the practicing, the tools you're given, it's pretty incredible the life we live. So I think we overcame that, that fear of not uh, wanting to be there or face the person, right? Yeah. That you betrayed or you facing the betrayer. Right. And I'm thinking there's a lot of that self-love too. As you learn to love yourself more, you realize I do deserve this. Well, that's self-love, self-esteem, overcoming shame, overcoming guilt um, really builds builds a person's strength to realize that, you know what, um, yeah, you are worthy, mm-hmm. right? And 
I mean, look, if if people put in the work and it still doesn't work, okay, right? Are you better for having done the work? I think you will be, mm-hmm. right? Whatever you take your life from there, you know, if you're going to split two years, three years later, whatever it is, or soon, right? But I think if there's a notion and, and it's, it's centered to both people, if you want to fight for it, um, and you and I are in a class of a whole bunch of people that we're trying to fight for it, post uh post betrayal relationships not all of them are married either it's just you know long lifelong partners right right but i think there's a similar theme in so many of us right the betrayer and the betrayed and if you're really going to fight for it i think both really need to commit to what needs to be done yeah i also want to bring in the concept of forgiveness because People have different beliefs. They have different religious beliefs, philosophical beliefs, whatever. For me, I struggle with the concept of forgiveness, and here is why. I don't feel like it's necessarily, I don't feel like it's my job to grant forgiveness to somebody else. Forgiveness is for me, but I don't have the power to forgive you. I feel like we are both inherently worthy, beautiful souls. And yes, you hurt me. Some people would say you did this to me in a way you did, but you also can't damage me on a soul level. You can't damage me for a lot of different ways. So I don't feel like my forgiveness, I don't feel like I have power over you to say, ding, I now forgive you, honey. And you can say, oh, Thank you. Thank you so much because you're so much ahead of me and you're better than me. And now I'm worthy of you. For me, forgiveness has that hierarchical property that I don't really like. I feel like forgiveness is a deeply personal thing and that I can forgive you inside of me for me, but that I'm not forgiving over you. And that's just me. And that's just a little sidebar. My question to you is, how can you forgive yourself for this? Because this is a lot. And how do you forgive yourself? Great question. And did a lot of work around this, by the way. And it was necessary to do this work. And I think everybody needs to do that work. But to your point, forgiveness is this elusive concept that can be, you know, divine, spiritual. But ultimately, I think it's very personal. When you forgive, to say you forgive someone else versus forgiving yourself, I really feel like the way you've described it, a betrayer sure likes to hear that maybe somebody's forgiven him or her, but ultimately, to your bigger question, how do we forgive ourselves, you're not going to go on if you don't. Not going to fight for the marriage, fight for the relationship, if you don't, or fight for yourself, because you're not even fighting for yourself then, right? So, so way it was described to me to sort of understand forgiveness, because I've always thought of it in a spiritual context, and who knows if you're forgiven or not, right? You got to have faith in that. For me, the phrase was, "Are you going to let yourself off the hook?" If you don't. 
if you let yourself off the hook, then you get to a spot where you forgive yourself. So how do you forgive yourself? It's not easy if you don't know why you did it. Yeah. So you got to explore your why. And if there's work to be done around what caused you to do it, then you're probably going to want to do the work before you let yourself off the hook. But yes, because otherwise it's a spiritual bypass. Yeah. Otherwise, it's the universe has forgiven me. I confessed and it's all good. Right. No, it's not. Right. Not in the long run, it's not. In a short moment, you might feel better about that confession, but have you truly forgiven yourself? Especially if you're still vulnerable to doing it again because you haven't done the work. When you start doing the work, I think you start realizing that, okay, I own what I did because I did it, but, and I could have not done it, right? I could have found a way not to do it, and yet I did it. So how do I say, all right, here's here's where I'm going to go in the future. Here's Here's what's changed. Here's what I'm going to work on changing because it's not a light switch all the time. You have to do some practice. You got to work on this stuff every day, whatever it is, right? Call it your meditations, call it prayer, call it exercise, call it, you know, safe discussions with your partner. But when you let yourself off the hook, when you get to a point where you know that, you know what, I've done enough self-analysis and work and maybe it's actual exercises you do emdr you do you know there's there's frequency tools there's all kinds of things you can do physically even right maybe it's physical therapy right there's there's all kinds of things you can do to transform and when you realize that i'm now not vulnerable i'm now stronger in so many ways or equipped better equipped to manage my relationship, manage my emotions, I can let myself off the hook for not having been in that spot when I did what I did. Yeah. And that's where I got to. Yeah. I, I had to get there before I could let myself off the hook. And I would say you still are vulnerable, but you have the tools to deal with it because life is painful. And like you just mentioned in the other show about your dad dying and it brought up a whole bunch of vulnerabilities. They're still there. It's just how you manage them. You and I each took a, a vulnerability test and you know it's got these super high scores potentially and I had a super high score. But they they recommended that we retake that test periodically because your vulnerabilities to your point ebb and flow mm-hmm. throughout life. People's jobs come and go, right? Cars come and go. Life happens and you have traumas that can leave you feeling vulnerable. Right. To your point, what are you doing about it? What tools are you engaging to change your behavior now from what it was when you were in the affair? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's what I want to pop into now. So many people say, how do you know he's not going to cheat again? How do you know he's going to go? Oh my God, what if I work and what if I do this? And what if my partner cheats again? Cheating was a way of acting out. You acted out, you acted out, you acted out. Why is it different for you now? Why do you know that you're not going to cheat again? You were a good person before. You didn't cheat for a lot of years. You moved away from your center. You were disintegrated. 
you've come back, you've figured it out. What in it, in you, is different now? Well, first of all, for me, the cheating sucked. The physicality was not what it should have been or what I thought it would be. So forget all that. I don't want to go do that again. But more importantly, fighting for you in our marriage is what I did want. And it's far more satisfying for me to know that you, as my partner, I can engage with you and overcome things that happen to us where I feel vulnerable and not have myself go out and react the same way I used to. It's like you're empowered to be who you are. And I, and, and, and that's right. And in fact, we've... We've had dozens of, of episodes where things have happened and I engage with you in that moment, the next morning or whatever, without sulking and being mad for days on end, right? And certainly without going elsewhere because that's not happening. And I don't need it to happen anymore because now I do feel stronger. I do feel core-centered and right where I need to be. Self-esteem is so much greater mm-hmm. in our relationship, in relationship, uh, you know, even talking with our family, you know, talking with, with anybody about emotion. It's, it's a way different experience for me. Yeah. And I wanted to point out or to ask, how has your relationship with your children and your family grown and changed because of this experience? Well, I like to think even with friends, it's so much better because not only am I, am I able to sort of express, like to our sons who moved back east and, you know, I miss them, I love them. But when I feel sad, I'm able to tell them, right? And I'm able to sort of express my emotions or tell you that mm-hmm. I feel that way, right? Because I'm missing them or whatever. And it's not a vulnerability where I got to go seek somebody else to you know, satisfy that need. Right. My needs are met right here, or I do other work to figure out what, how to get my needs met, right? Yeah. Without going to somebody, I mean, another person, a far, a fair partner. I'm, no, I have lots of support and books and you and, you know, counselor and all kinds of ways to figure out how to get my needs met. Right. This might seem like a very strange question, um, but I also think it's important to ask. Looking back at the first two shows, you you used the affair partners and they used you. They were both very manipulative relationships. You never came together in authenticity. Affair partners were saying what you wanted to hear. You were... You know, everybody was out for their own gain. It was very manipulative. It was very unhealthy in all situations. What about for you with your concept of forgiving them or them forgiving you? Or do you even care? Do they even rise to the level of I need to care? What is your feeling around affair partners? I don't really get into whether they have forgiven me because I don't communicate with them. All that's cut off, right? So that was part of our But do you care even? And No, I don't really care because to me, affairs are very selfish. 
to your point, by both people. Not one person didn't know that I was married, right? Mm -hmm. So they all were selfish in their own way for even engaging with me. And there were people, by the way, in my experience, who would not cross the line because I was married. Right. Right? So flirt or not, you know, that person was not part of the circle of affair people. My bigger point, though, is do I forgive if I'm not worried about whether they forgive me, do I forgive them? I haven't really worried about forgiving them because I took accountability. You, you mentioned I used them. I truly believe it was my fault. I did all of this, and I own it. It's not because they entrapped me or, you know, I was somehow manipulated by them. But that can happen. I, I know from our, yeah. you know, seeing other couples, it's, yes, absolutely. There's lots of reasons why. You need to understand your why. But for me, I didn't need to forgive them. But absolutely, they're all off the hook because I know where I stood in my accountability. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, maybe they want to forgive me for that. That's up to them, right? Right. But it's, yeah. Because that's all often a concern for people that my partner is going to need contact with their affair partner to have closure. And to me, you only need closure if you're in love and if there's a real relationship. And it, it just the apathy versus the love and closure. Talk about that. Well, I don't know what all the dynamics are around needing closure in affairs, but for our experience, it was a immediate cutoff, you know, blocking contacts, blocking cell phones, changing email, whatever it was. It was social media blocks, you know, whatever that, that was necessary. To me, that was the relief that I felt. It felt like I didn't know how to end it on my own and suddenly I'm empowered to cut it off. So however that closure needs to occur for the, but it's sort of two ways, right? Both parties need to be involved in that so that you feel safe as the betrayed person, I think, that, you know, it's not some thread that, that's the problem, right? It's closure can just go on and on. And there's some thread that's left as a tickler that, you know, you still have this communication route. For me, it was better to cut everything cold turkey done with all communication so that I could move on. Yeah. And then the last two questions around that, with the cutting off, with the cold turkey, one of the big fears is what if she comes back? What if you get contacted in some other way? What if you run into those people? How is that going to make you feel? What are you going to do? What's your plan around that? Well, we get a lot of advice in this this arena because for some people there is an opportunity for interaction and fortunately for us it wasn't routine but there was one person that comes into you know our purview from time to time at this one conference and my steadfastness in my change when I you know I did not talk to that person I did not engage with that person I don't even say hi to that person and I don't know that everybody can do that, right? Depending on who the 
affair partner is. Mm-hmm. Do you have to move? Do you have to leave jobs? I mean, maybe that maybe, maybe, right. That's the anecdote for some, but I think that you have to understand a game plan. You've got to disclose it to your partner, right? Mm-hmm. If you are contacted and you and I have that agreement, it's never happened for thank God. I've not one email, cell phone, nothing because they're all blocked. First of all, but, you know, I've always been on the watch for who's trying to friend me on social media, right? Is it this person trying to reach me? I think they all realize, no, in my situation, they're done. I'm done. I'm not allowing communication, so I don't want it. But I know that that can be a challenge for people because maybe the affair, per, you know, other person is not done. Right. You know, right. I hate to say the fatal attraction, but some of that can persist. Yeah, it can. So then what would you say to men in your situation? Men who have betrayed their partner, they don't really know what's going on, and maybe who are still in the phase of, well, yeah, it's your fault. What would you say to men who have betrayed their intimate partner? Well, don't do what I did. Early on, after uh, disclosure, I wrote 11 reasons why all this happened, and every one of them would blame you. That was a bad day. and um you know you realize no that's not what i'm actually you know it took some some work to get to a point where i'm not blaming you for the my actions because i realized you know holy cow you're right not one of those 11 items caused me to go engage with another person not one of them and bad idea to blame you for what I was fully accountable on. It feels like you want to blame the other person because you haven't resolved some conflicts. You haven't resolved, you know, some pains. And that's the work I went and did, right? And I do think you need to identify, as one counselor told told me one time, you know, disputes between partners are like boxes in the room. And as the boxes start filling the room, you can't get to each other, mm-hmm. you know, through these boxes, unless you open each one up and start doing the work. Most people don't want to do that after the boxes are built up. So we didn't have a whole lot of boxes. We had a few big ones, but mostly I had my inability to interact when we're standing there in a blank room. Right. But I didn't even realize that. So when I did the work, started self-reflecting on what is my role in everything. Right. I'm accountable for the affairs. Number one. Number two, if I want the relationship I've always wanted, then I've got to go do the work that I need to do in order to be able to stay engaged, stay connected. Right. And express myself to you in a way that you can now validate. You've heard me. You understand. Maybe there's we're both turning dials so that we're staying in sync. Yeah, so here, here's a point that I think is really critical for anybody who is a betrayer. And that is that each person who has betrayed somebody needs to understand how important it is to get back to their center their core in, in in all walks of their life you know whether they're a parent a brother a child 
whatever it is, a colleague at work, a manager, whatever you do, when you're at your core, you're so much better. You operate better. You love better, connect better, right? And I think it's worth it for everybody to go do the work. Because whatever caused somebody to have an affair, all of our whys, lots of whys out there, they all have some underlying vulnerability, I can almost guarantee you. And so if you don't explore that and explore how you're dealing with that today, then you're not doing the work. What I'm here to tell you is it's worth it to do the work. Even if your relationships are not going to stay together, you are going to be a better person for doing the work. And being a better person means that, that, that core goodness that almost everybody's got, right? And how can you navigate life without that? Right? Mm-hmm. To me, that's why it's worth it, because you're empowered in every walk of your life after you've done that work. Thank you. I love that because, you know, like I say, betrayal uncovers the truth. Not the truth about the affair and what happened and who did what, but the truth about what is inside of you that needs healing, that needs love, that needs attention. And yes, the focus is often on the person who was betrayed. But it was my intent with these shows to also bring focus to the person who is the betrayer because they have a soul too. They have a good core too. And their betrayal has also uncovered the truth of their pain and what they need. So thank you for being here. Thank you for speaking. And listeners, thank you. And I hope you can share this if the person who betrayed you is open because I think it's going to do a lot of good. And as usual, have an amazing week and always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to flaunt, find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com. 